0: Hey, what's going on guys? This is Brian Cousins from Fame on Fire and you're listening to the Hook Rock Podcast with Jay Scott. (laughs)
1: It is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. I hope you're doing well, staying safe, staying healthy, getting a little warmer. Hope you, uh, especially in the South, I hope you guys invested in some long underwear and some winter coats because it's been crazy all over, but I think it's getting better for everybody. I know outside here in Chicago, we finally got above freezing and the snow started to melt off the roof and we were able to finally cease a little bit of ground, so I guess uh, spring is on its way. It is just a little under a month away, so at least there's something to look forward to, right? I'd like to welcome in our next guest, and it is from a up-and-coming band that I absolutely love. Got turned on to these guys probably about two, three weeks ago, and they're from the Carolinas. The band is L.A. Maybe. And my guest today is the guitar player, Dallas Dwight. What's going on, man?
0: What's going on, man? Thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm stoked to be on the show. Can't wait to talk some rock and roll.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm excited to have you. So it's you guys are like brand new, like right? I mean, this you guys just released your first single like three weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I think you could definitely say we're brand new. I mean, like any band that is, quote, brand new, we've been around for a while. But <laughs> um, yeah, for all intents and purposes, we are brand new. So we, uh, you know, went through some lineup changes. Most notably, and most recently, we changed uh, lead singers. So up until you know we've been doing the band for a couple years, and summer twenty twenty, we changed lead singers. Uh, we we changed lead singers. So Albie is the newest member of the band, and uh, and we're so excited to have him. Obviously, he brings a lot to the table. At this point, he doesn't feel like the new guy anymore. Of course, but he actually officially joined in August twenty twenty. So yeah. Uh, if we're calling that our starting point and um, cause that's kind of when everything started for real. And uh, as soon as we got him in the band, we uh Rahsaan, our bass player and I went up to, uh, to Raleigh, North Carolina, where he is jammed with him for a day. Uh, I mean, immediately clicked person personality wise, musically music taste. We, you know, played some music and then hung out afterwards and just talked and stuff. And uh, obviously hit it right off. And that was, I think on a Saturday we went up there and did that. And uh, the following Friday, he was at my place in the vocal booth tracking vocals for the new album, Dirty Damn Tricks, which is coming out uh, March 26th. It happened that fast. Um, So, and now, yeah, I mean, it's what, six, seven, eight months later, and uh, the album's coming out, and and we're rocking and rolling now.
1: There's a lot to get to, and I'm really excited to get to know you guys and learn more about the band and a little bit of your history. But before we do that, we always start with the same question every time we have a new guest and that is the essence of the podcast. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or a performance that hooked you on rock and roll. What was it for you?
0: Uh, For me personally, um, yeah, definitely. uh, I was on a family vacation to Montana when I was younger, probably about 11 years old, and uh, it it was my family and another family. We all went together. And the older sister of the other family was just getting into rock and roll. And of course I didn't know anything about rock and roll. I was probably listening to, to rap or whatever at the time. And uh, just on the, on the drive, you know, doing something somewhere, someplace in Montana. She, she was like, here, check this out. She gave me one of her earbuds and played uh, welcome to the jungle by guns N' roses. And I heard the intro and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Uh, didn't think much of it, but when the riff dropped, the and when the riff dropped, I was like, okay, I'm in, let's do this. This is what I need to do. I don't know what this is. I don't know what instruments are involved. I don't know anything about anything, but I'm going to figure it out. And that's what it was for me. And uh, yeah, Guns N' Roses to this day is, is still my, uh, my number one favorite band.
1: Well, how old were you when that happened?
0: Uh, probably 11. I started playing guitar when I was 12. And I, yeah, so it had to have been around that time, 11, 12 years old.
1: And then where did it go from there? Like You picked up the guitar. Was there, I mean, obviously Guns N' Roses was your first band, your introduction to rock and roll. Who was your introduction to guitar? Was it Slash?
0: Oh uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and of course, I didn't know who Slash was. I didn't know anything about you know. I just thought like, oh, this is cool. I want to figure this out. I didn't know any of the, the history or anything. I was twelve, but and then of course I, I start telling my parents like, have you heard of this band uh, Boston? Have you heard of this band Guns N' Roses? And they're like, yeah, we've heard of them. <laughs> and uh, so they were excited to see me get into it. Although no one no one in my family is is musical really. So who knows where I got it from? Kind of an argue against the genetics thing, I suppose. But. Uh, yeah. So it was, it's, it just spiraled out of control from there in a good way. Um, obviously dove, you know, head first, both feet, however you want to say it into guitar. It's all I did. I didn't party. I didn't hang out with friends. Uh, you know, you know, the old joke, uh, you know, if you want to get girls, pick up guitar, that didn't work for me cause I was, I was so into guitar. The girls would come over and then I'd just be so focused, like, look at this new lick I learned and he's showing them whatever. And then I'd realize I haven't looked up in 30 minutes and I'd look up and I'd be alone just like that kind of stuff happened all the time, so that never worked for me <laughs> and uh, but the byproduct of that is I got pretty good at guitar, so uh, and that that 's carried me uh, far so far so i 'm super excited to be able to to bring that to the l a maybe and of course, the songwriting and all that stuff, yeah, like you said there 's a lot to talk about, but man, I just love guitar, love rock and roll when love the sound that we have that obviously is inspired by our heroes, and i 'm just so excited to to get that out there
1: When did it become? I want to get on stage. I want to be in a band. I want to play rock and roll.
0: Mm -hmm. You're making me dig, uh, dig way back in the brain here. Um, I don't know because it it kind of always felt that way to me. Uh, As soon as I could figure out how to play solos and stuff like that, I definitely had that, that lead guitarist bone that kind of flicked on and was like, Hey, everyone, look at me. And, uh, and whenever that happened, obviously the next step was get on stage and, and show off, so to speak. I played my first gig I think when I was 14 or 15 and we did a, uh, it was a trio, three of us, me, guitar, uh, yeah, and then a bass player and a drummer. And we didn't have a singer, we just did instrumental covers of like, uh, let's see, Paul Gilbert, Joe Satriani, you know, John Patricia, those kind of people, uh, just instrumental shredders and and we played a gig at a restaurant and I wore the tightest leather pants you've ever seen in your life. I had to peel them off.
1: Did you, well that's, so you were 14 years old, and you were in tight leather pants. That's uh, that's pretty admirable. <laughs> yeah, I was always
0: I was always uh, yeah, love love that kind of stuff. You know, you look up to your heroes, and sure. you see them in leather pants. You're like, where do I go get leather pants? So, uh, of course, they weren't real leather, but yeah, man, they were uh, unbelievably tight. There's a picture floating around there somewhere of me wearing those uh, at, at 14, 15 years of age, standing on stage in a like a seafood restaurant.
1: Was there a performance, did you go to a concert and see someone live and say to yourself, man, that's that's what I want to do. That's that's you know, seeing the reaction of the crowd and the synergy between the band and the audience. Was there a moment for you like that? Uh I would the short answer is
0: no. Uh the longer answer is I guess every concert I've been to, uh I I've always thought and and I started going to concerts pretty young. Some of the earliest concerts I went to, I was I was I don't know, maybe six, seven years old, my parents were taking me to see uh, their favorite artists, you know, Tim McGraw, Alan Jackman, big country artists at the time. And uh, Rascal Flatts, we saw them at the State Fair way before they blew up. Uh, That was awesome. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I saw saw Backstreet Boys and NSYNC in their heyday, you know, 99, 2000. That was cool. And then growing up from there and starting to go to concerts on my own, I remember in eighth grade, we saw that tour with uh, Def Leppard and Journey. And then, of course, I've seen, you know, plenty of other stuff besides that that I named, but every show I'm at or I've been to, I've always the bigger ones, of course, I've always thought like, man, that'd be cool. That's, that's something I really want to do, but there's not one defining show or one defining moment that, that kind of flipped that switch for me because that switch was flipped way before I, uh, you know, went to a concert after having picked up the guitar. Cause before you, before I picked up the guitar, it was just like, you're seeing it. It's cool. You're, you're into it, but you don't really know what's going on. And I assume that's kind of what, where most people are at when they see a show. They're just kind of, you know, along for the ride. Nowadays, when I go to a show, I'm, I'm so, uh, I'm so into like the production and the details of it. It's all, I can't even super enjoy it as much anymore. Cause I'm always like, okay, how are they running their in-ear monitors? Okay. I see that guy over there. He's, he's clearly mixing the in-ears. I wonder how they're getting that wireless tech, you know, just all the, all the little details and stuff that go into a huge production. I can't really turn that part of my brain off. So, uh, yeah, and of course i been into shows in a while, but. Yeah. So to answer your question, there isn't there isn't just one moment. It was it was kind of every moment, and it was also kind of no moment.
1: You mentioned Slash. You mentioned the guitar. You mentioned hearing Guns and Roses. What other influences on guitar do you have?
0: Oh, so many. I mean, my my big two would be Slash and Paul Gilbert. Uh, but yeah, I mean, every, there's something, something for me in just about every guitar player. I mean, I love Neil Sean. Um, All the shredders, Steve Vai, John Petrucci, Guthrie Govan—I mean, just just the list goes on and on and on. But the big two, if I had to whittle it down to two, would be Slash and Guns N' Roses. And I think that comes through in uh, Slash Guns N' Roses, Slash and Paul Gilbert. And that would—I think that's that comes through in my in my style and my playing. I think people would be able to pick that out pretty quickly.
1: Paul Gilbert's such a unique player too. I mean, he's so like technical, and he's so you know like doesn't miss a note ever.
0: Yeah, so you have the kind of sloppier, bluesy feel side of things with Slash and kind of the hyper-technical speed, uh, just shredded from Paul Gilbert. And I like to think I kind of live uh, in between those two worlds. Obviously not at their level, but as close as I can get.
1: <laughs> I had the pleasure of seeing, gosh, this is probably 30 years ago. No, not 30 years ago, probably 25, 20 to 25 years ago, I saw Mike Portnoy on drums, Paul Gilbert on guitar, Gary Cerrone on vocals, and I can't remember mm-hmm. the bass player, but they played it. The was it school.
0: Billy Sheehan? Probably it's always Billy Sheehan. I'm trying to, <laughs> I, I don't remember if
1: it was Billy. I mean, yeah, because I mean, he has the history of Paul Gilbert and Mike Portnoy, but they were doing this, uh, the Who tribute that's a, a tribute to the Who. Yeah, was, I know
0: what you're talking about, and I think that might have been Billy. Okay. I did not see it, but uh, let me see. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick while you're talking.
1: Yeah, and it was just amazing, like you know. Portnoy, I, I was never a big dream theater guy, but I he, you know, he obviously he was an excellent drummer by you know and he had that reputation and I loved Extreme and of course you know Paul Gilbert and Racer X and Mr. Big and I you know it might have been Billy it might have been Billy Sheen. I just can't remember. It is Billy Sheen. I what, just uh, okay.
0: Amazing Journey. Yes. I love that yes, was Paul, yes. Paul Gilbert, Portnoy, Sheen, and uh Sharon.
1: And I just remember Paul Gilbert, you know, I mean he's got that lanky body like Pete Townsend did. And, oh yeah he's
0: like six he's like six, three, six, four, and he's yeah. totally deaf. And when you talk to him, he yeah. can't hear you because he's so tall above you, so he has to like lean down and what do you
1: say? <laughs> and really he funny. and he just nailed the whole persona of Pete Townsend. It was so cool
0: yeah paul's Paul's great about knowing i mean he's like he's like a an actor of guitar he He doesn't always have to shred. He will do whatever needs to be done to fill the part that he's trying to fill perfectly. And, and, he, and that's, just,
1: that's just part of what he does. So the band LA Maybe, what is the history of you guys? How did you guys start? Uh,
0: we started because we met, um, I met, mainly I guess me and the drummer met Ryan uh, doing a journey tribute. And we traveled the, the nation and, and I played Neil Sean and he played Steve Smith. And uh, we did a lot of shows like that. And then, and then when it was time to move on for that, we decided we wanted to do our own thing. Um, realized we needed some sort of income. So we got kind of caught up doing, you know, the classic bar variety band stuff where you're playing just, you know, any and everything to a, to a bar full of people that aren't paying attention. And that, and that was the case all the way up through uh, the beginning of 2020. And it was going to be the case through 2020 and beyond until the pandemic hit. And we decided to take a step back after all our gigs got canceled and say, Hey, we don't want to do this anymore. We have this stack of songs we've been working on. Let's just get the right guy in here to sing them. Cause I think I, I think I met him basically, you know, when we met Albie and, uh, and let's, and let's do this thing with, you know, with everything we have, because I think we, I think we can make it work. So, so far it's been awesome. Uh, but yeah, that's the history. So some of the songs on the album were written as far back as 2016, uh, you know, at least bits and pieces of them. And then some of them were written, weren't even done writing by the, you know, when we were recording the album. So we were writing some of them all the way up to the finish line. And uh, yeah, I think it all came together at the, at the 11th hour. And uh, as, as of this recording, the album is officially done. It's mixed, mastered. It's with our PR people. They are sending it out to get reviews, you know, all the good stuff. And, uh, and we couldn't be more excited. Um, there's just there's so much good on this album. And uh, we, we just really can't wait for people to hear it. Uh, we've had an amazing response so far to just the one song we released, which is essentially our first song. And uh, I think people are really going to like where it goes from here.
1: My 14 year old son is who turned me on to you guys. He he sends me music all the time via text, and you know he sends me you know the link to La Baby. He's like, Dad, you got to check this out. It's really cool. And I'm like, okay. So I start playing it, and I'm listening to it, and he he comes in wherever you know wherever I was in the house. He's like, What do you think? I'm like, I'm like, this is awesome. This is badass. This is so like a great rock and roll vibe. it's it's, it's really really good.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what we want to deliver. You know, there's no um, uh, political lyrics. There's no shock value image. There's no anything. You know, it's just like you said. It's just straight ahead rock and roll. We want people to listen. We want people to have a good time. We want people to escape their uh, their lives for a minute and come with us on a journey of of rock and roll. So if you're down for that, you'll like us. And, and that's kind of what we're trying to do. There's not there's not really any any more to it than that. We we don't take ourselves too seriously. We're just rock and roll musicians. Try to write some party music. Everybody have a good time. We'll all have a good time. <laughs> Let's just do that. <laughs> Was that the
1: essence of the band that you guys were going for? Is like, hey, you know, good times. You know, party rock and roll. You know, did you? Were you looking for that in the other musicians when you were forming this band?
0: Um, I would say yes. I think one of the biggest things we were looking for uh, is, is a personality that fit with us. Uh, that's obviously key. Probably above everything and we absolutely have that you don't want to hang out with the six of us we are obnoxious and uh and then the uh other thing of course was musicianship um we have a band full of killers and it's it's awesome to be a part of uh because all of us are music instructors professionally uh, except for Albie. he has another job that he does he sings for uh, a Guns N Roses tribute in his free time uh so he does that and the rest of us teach music so all of us are um you know skilled and trained on our instruments and and when we get together you don't know what's going to come out we could have you know anything from classical piano to jazz comps to gypsy jazz you know funk rock pop any r&b hip-hop anything can come out of us at any time when we're jamming and uh, and we love to do that and we've incorporated some of that into our live show which we really can't wait to unveil we've been working really hard on that for the past uh past couple months and uh and we have you know one show on the books, not a lot, but we'll see what, what happens, uh, pandemic pending. And uh, yeah, we just, we can't wait to unveil some of this stuff. We're just, we're like, I, I liken us to, um, you know, the rodeo bull when he's locked behind the fence and he's just so full of energy and they get him all jacked up and everything and then they kick down the doors and he just comes barreling out. That's us right now, but the doors haven't been kicked down yet. So, so we're just, we're just all full of energy and ready to go, but we don't have anywhere to put it yet. So we're kind of just... I don't know. I'm kind of just sitting
1: still right now. Was this album recorded during the pandemic? Every note. Yeah. And by us, actually completely DIY. It was so, you know, home studio or did you guys, how did you guys do all that? So three of us in the band,
0: myself, uh, our bass player, Rasan, and our other guitar player drizzle, we all uh, run our own production studios out of our homes. So between the three of us, we were able to record every single note you hear on the album, including uh, the gospel choir the gang vocals, all the little congas, percussion, triangle. There's all sorts of sneaky stuff on this album that you wouldn't wouldn't pick up on, uh, you know, just with one listen. And yeah, just just all of us putting our heads together. We were able to do this thing uh, completely by ourselves. And then once we had it all tracked, we sent it up to our good buddy Machine, uh, mix uh, mix engineer up in New Jersey. He also has a studio in Austin with a slew of credits. I mean, credits a mile long. This guy's done things like Lamb of God, Clutch, Four Year Strong, Crobot, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and we were able to hook up with him. We've, we've known him for a long time and he put his, his mixed magic on it. And uh, you know, that's, that's the part we spent money on everything else. I mean, calculating that time or the, the money we saved tracking everything ourselves, it would have to be depending on the studio you would go to between 10 and $30,000 we saved uh, being able to do this completely ourselves. And we don't see any need to, to change that in the future because we're happy with the result. And if we can, do everything ourselves is unlimited time, man. You had, that's the one thing that kills you in the studio is time. So we had the ability to wake up one morning with every intention of recording a guitar solo and you get halfway through it and you realize, you know what? This didn't happen in the day. Let's put it down. We'll come back another day. You don't have that Liberty in a studio. You have to do it right then. And if it comes out subpar, that's just what it is. And, uh, we're, we're so thankful that we just
1: happen to have all the skills and gear required to pull that off. What's it like recording your first album? during a nationwide pandemic?
0: Um, probably really no different than any other time. When you're in a studio, it's at least me and, and the other guys I, I feel comfortable speaking for as well. You go in the studio, you shut out the world and you do your thing. And so that was kind of uh, that wouldn't change, you know, regardless of the pandemic. So I think, uh, yeah, it wasn't really any different in that regard, but what it, what it did allow us to do was really focus and not have external distractions in the, in the way of shows in the way of, you know, outings and get-togethers and any of that stuff. That stuff wasn't happening, so we were just able to fully focus, get everything done uh, at, at a pretty quick pace. I mean, like uh, as we were talking earlier, we started recording this thing right after Albie joined. I think that'd be August, uh, maybe even September twenty twenty. And by uh, before the new year, it was done. So we, I mean, two three months, and that included, you know, like I said earlier, some uh, some finishing up the writing, lyrics, that kind of stuff as well as, uh, you know, recording every single guitar, every single keyboard. Uh, it's just like, I mean, there's six of us. Getting us all on there was a, It was a task, but we put some hours in.
1: It's, it's amazing that you found a new lead singer, you recorded an album, while the country's pretty much, like, on a lockdown, you know, with, during a pandemic. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty big feat. I know, you know, maybe it didn't seem like a big deal while you guys were doing it, but when you think of the landscape of what's been happening, that's um that's pretty remarkable
0: yeah, and and you're right. it didn't seem like a big deal when we were doing it. We were just trying to solve every problem that presented itself to us, you know as it presented itself to us as quickly and as efficiently as we could, and then, yeah, looking back on it now, as the dust settles of, of what we've done and as it starts to come out and we see people's response, uh it starts to to settle like whoa, we really i mean I've known Alvi for six months, <laughs> like we've really been. Because it's not like we were friends for a long time before this. We, we found him, talked to him, met with him, and then he was in. And uh, it, just, it, it all happened so fast, and it was just like the, you know, the right fit at the right time. All the pieces came together, all the stars aligned, and, and finally it felt like everyone was pulling in the same direction, which is so rare for a group of people, especially six guys. I mean, maybe you can get it with a trio or a four-piece or something, but like we have, there's six of us. We have two guitarists and a keyboardist. And, you know, of course, the front man bass and drums, so that's six. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing that we can get anything done. But we have the right group of guys, and that's what I would say to any band starting is um, you'll know when you have the right group of guys. And, and you won't know that you know, but you'll know when you don't as well. You will have that little feeling in the back of your head, like this should be easier.
1: <laughs> and, uh, and that means you don't have it yet. Well, there is something to be said about Healthy tension, right? I mean, when you think of some of the big bands that have gone on to have great success, they always do more times than not have a little bit of that tension where it kind of creates and causes that great music to be recorded.
0: Yeah, I suppose a lot of those bands broke up. <laughs> so <laughs> that's true. That's true. I don't know about that's that, a good point. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and that's not to say you know we're all buddy buddy all the time. We definitely have our 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 bickers our bickering and our, uh, and our disagreements and stuff. But we also have our eyes on, on the big vision and we don't let the little problems get in the way and slow us down uh, and, and by and by, you know, we're, we're family, we're brothers, we have everybody's back and, uh, and we're going to take this thing as far as we can.
1: When you are recording the album, I, I had a great conversation with Tyler Bryant back in the fall and they were talking, oh, I loved him. Yeah. Yeah, he was talking about their new album that they released in October and he mm-hmm. felt that in the great they, album. Yeah. And they recorded all that in his basement and perfect. Yeah. He said it was an escape for them. It was a way to tune out everything. Just focus on music, play some music and just forget about what's happening. just forget about what's happening out there. Did you feel something similar to that?
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. But, and I would also say that I, I feel that every time we're recording something, um, it's like almost like time doesn't exist. You know, you, you kind of forget your phone exists. You set it down next to you and you don't even remember it's there until after you're done and you just get in the zone, you get in the flow state, things start happening. And, and before you know it, you look up and five, six hours has gone by.
1: It's very, so absolutely. But, yeah,
0: but I don't know that that's something exclusive to being in a pandemic. Um, maybe, it, maybe there's more to tune out in the pandemic, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, I, at least me I'd tune out everything anyway so
1: <laughs> it's very similar to the story you told at the beginning of the interview with you tuning out a girl that's sitting next to you while you're playing guitar so music has really always been that way for you to tune things out
0: absolutely and whether that was deliberate or not, I don't know, but it just kind of it just kind of ended up being that I guess music is is the first mistress maybe that's the best way to put it.
1: Was there any thought to delaying this, pausing this album, until there was a better a better idea of what was going to happen in the future? As far as uh, pandemic or well, band or what? Well, as far as the pandemic, I mean, you know, there were a lot of bands that were supposed to release stuff in 2020 that held on to their albums. There some that did release stuff last year um, just because of all the uncertainty, and... Now they 're releasing albums, and was there any thought for you guys to say, "Hey, maybe push this back towards the end of two thousand and twenty one Why was it important for you guys to yeah. put it out in march
0: there was um There was no thought of doing that, um, and that 's interesting that you bring that up that I don't think that thought's ever crossed any of our minds until maybe even just now um, because i and I think it 's a happy accident that it worked out the way it did because uh, we chose March. Uh, mainly because it was what worked with our PR company schedule. And, um, and that's what they advised us to do. So we went with that. Uh, what we wanted to do was release it, release it as fast and as soon as possible. Um, that made sense. Cause of course you have to go through a release schedule, promote, talk to awesome people in podcasts like you and, and get, you know, the hype going. So we knew we had to do that, but you know, of course we're impatient to get our music out there. So it's, it's killing us. Like I, like I mentioned the rodeo bowl earlier. Uh, but all that being said, um, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here. You were mentioning, uh, what was, what was the just, last part of your question there?
1: Just to see like, you know, why you guys, you know, why, why you didn't delay it and put in and put it out now, basically, you know, was there any thought ah, to putting it out later so, in the year?
0: So I think the happy accident is, uh, first of all, if we put it out later in the year, we're probably going to be competing with everyone else that's going to be doing that. And we're going to get buried. Uh, so that's one thing, but we're the biggest thing is we're a brand new band. Uh, the pandemic hit us at a perfect time. Nobody knew who we were and and it sucks for a lot of people and it sucks for us in some ways too. But as a band, the pandemic actually came at a perfect time and it was a a huge blessing in disguise uh, for how it helped us uh, shut everything down, regroup, get the right members in the band, record and release an album or, or not release yet, but record the album, get it done. All that happened when nothing else was able to happen. So we basically got a free pass to just basically go to work and huddle up and figure out our next move. And so far it's working great. We're, we're so happy that it, that it worked out the way it did. And we wanted to, um, I think March is perfect. Cause we're still kind of in this thing and March, it'll be a year of this. And I think people are right at that spot where they're going to be ready to get out there. Uh, we're going to start seeing things open up hopefully soon. And uh, it's, it's time for something new. And I think that's where we're going to come in and, and deliver something new, something fresh that nobody expected from a band that nobody knew. And, and I think it's going to end up working out perfectly, even though it might not have been as calculated as we uh, could have been.
1: When you look to what's going to happen in 2021, you mentioned something that's very true. Um, many people think there's going to be a log jam with music that's going to be released over the next 12 months because people have been hanging on to stuff that was supposed to be released in 2020 People have been working on albums that, you know, are going to be released. There's going to be a lot of music coming out. It's going to be very competitive. And when you look to the future and the importance of playing live, getting your music out in front of people, is there a plan that you guys have or is it pretty much wait and see? You know, kind of you don't know really where this is going to go. Or is it something that, hey, once things start going and we get a better feel for things – we already are going to be doing this.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would probably say definitely the latter. We have to kind of wait and see. We definitely don't want to commit to bookings too early and, and have to cancel a bunch of stuff or anything like that. And I think that's what a lot of people are, are also doing as well. Uh, and also we have the added, added challenge that we're a brand new band. So we have to get up with agents. We have to figure out who we're going to be working with all that kind of stuff. And uh, I will say that every show that we can play, we will play and we'll be looking to do as much as we can, but um, there's there's just nothing on the horizon at, at the time of this recording at least. Um, but yeah, we're excited to do everything we possibly can to get out there and play. Um, and, and I think, like I said, I think releasing in March is going to help us kind of beat that that release. Obviously, you have all the stuff that, that got pushed back, and then you have all the stuff that was created in the pandemic like ours was. So all that's going to be coming out in 2021, and it's going to be a lot when shows open back up, there's going to be an explosion of shows, I'm sure. Tours are all going to be back on. that got canceled and moved. So uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of stuff at once. And uh, we'll just do our best to, to get out there in front of people. But I think beating the crowd just a little bit is going to be enough to help keep our name in the ring.
1: You talked about when you first started out playing and you were in bands, you were doing cover songs and cover bands. And in my opinion... The cover band scene in a lot of cities across the country has really hurt the local new music scene. People want to go see something familiar, that's something that they know. Festivals no longer hire the original local band. They hire the the band that's like the Human Jukebox. When you know that, when you see that, and obviously there's a lot of musicians that played in cover bands. One of the biggest bands of all time started out as a cover band. That was Van Halen. What are your thoughts on the local music scene? Where you're at right now, and what's going on right now with rock music, and the challenge for a new band to find an audience?
0: Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot to say that the the rock scene in Charlotte is is pretty good. There's not a there's not a ton of us, but there are certainly some of us, um, and and we do have decent turnouts to the show, so that's good. Um, but by and large, I think nowadays you have to leverage the internet and, and why not? It's the most powerful tool ever created. So, um, it certainly helped us, uh, every, every bit of our success so far is, is because of the internet, we haven't played a single show with, with this lineup ever. So, um, it's not like we've been out there grinding the pavement and obviously the pandemic had a lot to do with that as well. So, and, and if, and we've seen more success now, sit post you know mr da- or Mr. Danger than we ever had before when we were playing forty fifty sixty shows a year, which obviously isn't a lot, but it was a lot to us at the time. We never saw this success, and um so I think that's what I would say is definitely look, look at what you're doing, and something I wish I could have realized earlier was, look at what you're doing, and if people aren't responding, don't blame everyone else look, look inward because. I now see that with a, few ch- with a few factors changing, and if you believe in what you're doing, you know, I, I believed that the music we had was good, but we just didn't quite have every, every element in place. And once we got every element in place, that, that belief that I had was validated. We have a lot of other people saying, you know, this is awesome, this is good. We see, we see bigger numbers than we've ever seen on, on stuff we've released. And we've released uh, some music before. Uh, it's buried now. And we never saw any anything even close to this. And, you know, your first instinct is to say, oh, rock's dead. The scene's dead. Blah, 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 blah. It's never your instinct is to go like, well, maybe we didn't quite do it good enough. Maybe we're not quite good enough. And I would encourage most people in a lot of facets of life to look inward before outward. But uh, it's just, it's hard to do. It's hard to look in the mirror and say, I suck. I got to get it together. And sometimes I think you have to do that. And... Um, we did that and we, we still do that. And I'm really, really proud of us for that. And, um, I think that's going to help us a lot in the long run. I would encourage others to do the same.
1: We talk a lot about the state of rock and roll on this podcast and just how I know there's quotes all the time. Rock and roll is dead. We know that's not the case. We know rock and roll is still vibrant. It's still alive. It's thriving. I believe more now than ever There's more bands There's more platforms For you to discover music There's more platforms For bands to Push their music out There may even be Too many platforms I know that's been A discussion too as well I do think though Relevancy matters And When you look at the Relevancy of rock and roll It has struggled with that Over the last decade or so um, I do think that The connection with the youth Is probably the most Important thing I know a lot of rock fans worry about fellow classic rock fans, and I think that you shouldn't worry about the classic rock fans. The demographic the, to, to get to know and to capture is the youth because once the youth is your fan or a fan of you, they're always going to be loyal to your music. What are your thoughts on you know the, the, the state of rock and roll? I mean, there's so many great new bands out there, including yourselves that I think it's right underneath the surface. And I know there's a lot of momentum going into 2020, and I think that momentum is starting to pick back up because there's been some great albums already released so far this year, and there was some great stuff released at the end of last year. There's a lot of things to celebrate about rock and roll, and I think it is the perfect time when young kids are sitting at home, e-learning, doing the same thing every single day, getting that angst, getting that anger to connect with rock and roll. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I'm glad you said there's a lot of good rock bands cause there are. And, uh, it's really, really frustrating for me when I hear people say, you know, there's, there's no good rock. And, and thankfully I'm hearing that less and less, uh, which is nice, but yes, you are right. We have to target the youth, um, in a, in a positive way cause that's where all things will, will inevitably go. That's the future. Uh, I was I I love to talk about this. this. is one of my favorite topics to talk about in interviews. So I'm glad you brought this up. Let's consider uh, the history of rock music. Some of the earliest I don't know who would who would you say some of the biggest uh, biggest rock bands you know that kind of paved the way for everything. Who would you name? Ooh, yeah. going back, going back as as far as you can. Uh, mean, you know, within reason.
1: I mean, you know, obviously I don't want you to, I don't want you to name like loot players from the, from the 800s, like, like, like bands that we know. <laughs> How did you know I was going to do that? Um, I know <laughs> I would say, you know, just off the top of my head, Zeppelin, ACDC, Van Halen, um, guns and roses. Okay, perfect.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Let's start there. Let's start there. All of those people, obviously a couple exceptions are still alive. Uh, so rock and roll is very, very young. And so let's consider in 30 years, when all of the people you just listed are not going to be here anymore, maybe a couple exceptions, but they'll be in their 80s, in their 90s, <laughs> and they're not going to be out touring big stages. Uh, what does rock look like then? Because if we don't help uh, shift the mindset of the rock and roll fan from what it kind of is now, the, the you know the rock greats are the best, new rock sucks. If we don't shift that. Then what does rock look like when all those people are gone? Does the whole genre just just shrivel up and die, or does you know does it thrive? Does it become vibrant with bands like with bands like uh, Dirty Honey, who has a new album coming out? Blacktop Mojo, who's in the studio right now working on their album. Small Town Titans just released an album last uh, in the last couple months in twenty twenty incredible album. Um, who else? Uh, Joyous Wolf has stuff coming out. South of Eden has an EP that came out not too long ago. These are the bands that are going to carry the torch and us of course too. Let's not leave us out of the equations where I'm talking. And um, it's our job and, and our peers' job to help carry this torch into the new era. And and that's what we're, you know, what we're trying to do. But we can't do it without fans' help. We need fans to to shift from thinking that all new rock sucks and all old rock is awesome and, and there's, you know, a big, big problem there. So that's what we're trying to do.
1: I also think, too, that I I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot of great new bands out there. The bands that you've mentioned are absolutely phenomenal, and there's so much more as well. And I do believe that they are more than capable, including yourselves, to carry the torch of rock and roll. I also think, too, that there is – we always complain about how the mainstream music industry suppresses – rock music, right? I mean, you look at, yep. you know, the Grammys, they don't even televise the awards. You look at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, picking people that are not even rock and roll, and you look at popular music, and it just doesn't even get a sniff. I I think that rock fans need to stop worrying about that stuff. I was the, just about to say the same thing. I'm glad yeah. you
0: said that, because I was going to say, my first instinct to what you said
1: is stop complaining. Yeah, Who I, cares? I, yeah, who Put cares? your nose I mean,
0: down, right. grind, let's see what happens.
1: I mean, I grew up in the '80s listening to hard rock, and none of that stuff was accepted. So it it it, it didn't change, right? Like, it, it's still the same. My parents thought my music was crap, too, right? They used to say, "Oh, the Beatles were great, or the Dave Clark Five, or Elvis and stuff." So parents aren't and, supposed let's,
0: to- and let's take it back further than that. When your parents were young, and their parents said Elvis sucked, the Beatles sucked, right? <laughs> you know, right, <laughs>
1: yeah. So I think we've got to stop worrying about that I think that if anything is good enough which I think new rock music is more than good enough it will find its audience good music does not does not stay down for long and I think there's a, a few bands that are out there that are making their way up the ladder I mean you think of Rival Sons who has a new album coming out this year they've been around for almost 12 years And Uh they're finally starting to get the recognition that they deserve. You know, one of my pet peeves doing this podcast is when I have someone say, oh, Rival Sons is a great new band. And I say, well, they're really not new. They've got like six albums. (laughs) But the, the thought process is, is that person just wasted six or 12 years of enjoying their music because they had the idea that new rock sucks. But, After hearing Rival Sons, you're like, wow, these guys are really good. And there's so many other bands out there that are like that in the same boat. Now I know what people talk about too. I do know that there was a period of rock music where things started or things sounded very cookie cutter. Things the you know the recording sounded very much the same. And listen, those bands have their fans too, and they should have their fans. You know, no one should like the same thing or, you know, there should be enough for everybody to go around. But I think when people compare that to the bands we mentioned, they unfairly put bands up against each other. Well, this doesn't sound as good as Led Zeppelin. Well, this doesn't sound as good as Motley Crue. It's not supposed to. It really isn't. It's supposed to have its own identity. Just like, Yeah, and I also yeah.
0: disagree. Too, I think you know. Factoring in modern production techniques, a lot of the stuff coming out now sounds a lot better than a lot of that classic stuff. Right, if you're right. just talking sonically, yeah.
1: no, I'm, I'm I'm talking, but just it's it seemed like for a period of time, maybe like ten to fifteen years ago, a lot of the the music and the sonic sound of it sounded almost the same. Right? There was there yeah. was there was not a there was not a, as much of an identity as there is now with the bands that are coming out, like. It was very hard for me, at least, to differentiate between one band and, other, and another 15 years ago. Where now, I know the difference between Dirty Honey and Blacktop Mojo and Joyous Wolf and South of Eden. I can hear the difference. And yeah. I, I think when a classic rock fan, who maybe was in their 30s when all that stuff was coming out, they, they stick to that example as what rock and roll is now. And they refuse to give anything else a chance which I think is wrong and I also think it's pretty boring to not do that too as well. I mean, I'm a sports fan and I've I've mentioned this example many times. If I'm a Cubs fan, right, which I am, and they have a player that gets traded or they have a player that retires, I don't stop being a Cub fan, right? I yeah, I want to know exactly. more about the rookie who's playing, who's replacing that guy or the new guy that's coming in that came up from the system, who they drafted or who they signed. I want to know the new people because I'm still a fan of the team. Well, if you're still a fan of rock and roll, it's the same thing, right? You know, like not all these bands (laughs) can stay, not all these bands can stay together forever and there's going to be a band behind it coming up. So get to know those bands. I mean, that's the simplest way to really put it.
0: Yeah. And, and then the question becomes, okay, so how do we, how do we get more people on board? And the answer to that would be, we need people like you, people like me, people like a lot of the people I know to, to share these bands with people that need to hear them because the bands are, the bands are good. The bands are amazing. The music's going to speak for itself. You just have to put it in front of someone and then let it do its job. Uh, And if they don't like it, then they don't like it. That's fine. It's not for everybody, but a lot of rock fans would like a lot of the music coming out and and they just don't know about it. And they will soon enough, you know, we're all doing our thing. We're going to take it as far as we can. Uh, and to that end, we're actually starting our own podcast called uh, Your New Favorite Band, awesome. which is that's that's literally the job of that podcast. We're going to highlight new bands, discuss new bands, uh, promote ourselves as well. That's obviously part of it. And um, the whole point is to try to get the scene, not just the local scene, the scene of the new wave of classic rock, in front of more people, and and share our friends and, and our peers with as many people as we possibly can. And, uh, and, and a podcast is a great way to do that. And the other reason we decided to start a podcast was because, uh, we don't have any shows right now. So the, the way for us to stay in front of people and get ourselves out there, uh, on a weekly basis on a, you know, whatever it is, is through a, a modern medium, like a podcast.
1: That's fantastic. That's a great idea. That's very unique. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard of that. I know some, some musicians have their own podcasts. I know Todd Dan McCurns who plays in Slash's band has one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I am. Know- no, Todd. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's a really great idea to help bands network with each other and ex- and expose help ex- expose each other. Um, to Yeah, new I fans mean and it's, it's
0: it's it's as simple as uh, you know we're stronger together. So let's let's create this network of of peers and, and collaborators and friends and brothers instead of you know competition and, and and you know all the negativity and stuff that can sometimes come along with this and and has in years past, of course, in the rock genre. And let's let's build each other up and and do do everything we can to make this, uh, you know, the next the next thing in rock. Because like I said, and and I don't know, it could be as soon as fifteen, it could be as soon as ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty years from now that so many of the artists we know and love are, are not going to be with us anymore. So
1: mm-hmm. uh, it's, the time is now to do this. I also think too, you know, we we always, like I said earlier, people worry about rock and roll. Why isn't it accepted? When you look at the last couple of years, you look at, let's start with the Motley Crue movie, The Dirt, and the fact that that was a number one movie on Netflix. Okay. You look at the ACDC album that was released in November. The, I think that was another number one album and it was popular. I mean, now, granted, those. well, bands, and then,
0: and then Not in this Lifetime Tour is the, I think, second or third top grossing tour of all time ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but in terms of just the celebration of rock, you know those two events tells me that rock and roll still has a very big audience, and when I talk about the celebration, we need to start having conversations about celebrating rock music and how that leads to these new bands and how it leads to an audience for these new bands. Um, I enjoy talking to a new band every week and putting him on my podcast and doing a new music spotlight like this episode is because. You know, I, I'm I'm a fan of music. You know, to me, it's not so much about promoting a band. It is, but it's also about having giving the band the avenue for all the audience to get to know them. Because right, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. know because and podcasts I, are great for that. Right, that's very important because that's what I used to do when I used to read the magazines at the grocery store while my mom was shopping. I would go in the magazine section and grab my. Metal Edge and Circus Magazine, and just sit there and just read the articles and just get to know the. It's
0: actually it's actually funny you say that. Uh, I did the same thing, and the magazine I would always pick up is Guitar World. And uh, today, the day that we are recording this, Guitar World has uh, premiered one of our videos, and it's on their website right now. So that was definitely a uh, a dream come true right there, in, in and in kind of a full circle, interesting kind of way.
1: Yeah, I, I think that I think people. I don't want to say worry too much about rock music, but I think they, I, I think it's coming back. I think because there's so much good stuff that's out there. There's so many great new bands. I mean, we could, we could probably sit here for an hour just naming bands. You name one, then I name one, and you name one, and I, and we could fill in yeah, all, doing all that.
0: bands, all bands that came out probably within the last five years, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, i i was interviewing the guitar player blake from joyous wolf and he said something really great i said do you worry about rock and roll and and, and it being relevant again he's like no I, we don't worry about that stuff we just play our music we make the best music we possibly can make and people will find it and i was like that's such a badass attitude because that's the way bands are supposed to think just make the most yeah oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah
0: and and to add to blake's answer i'd say um and, and some people aren't going to like it and that's fine, you know, because rock has never been for everyone and we don't want it to be for everyone. We want it to be for, you know, the people that would, that would bleed and die for rock music. That's who our music's for. And, and that's, you know, I can't speak for Joyce Wolf, but I, I'm i sure they'd say the same thing. Uh, it is, it is exactly that. We, we don't, everything you were just saying about people complaining about rock and, and then the rock and roll hall of fame. I mean, I, can't, I, I can't, I haven't given any of that a single thought and maybe ever. So like, uh, it doesn't, it just doesn't register in my mind with, with what we're doing at all is rock dead is rock alive. I don't care. I'm going to keep doing whatever it is I'm doing yeah, and whatever it is we're doing and, and whatever happens, happens. That's just, that's just how it's going to go.
1: Yeah. When people make that statement, I'm like, well, uh, I just listened to like 10 new rock bands today. So what are you talking about? It's dead. It's not, dumb, yeah. And I think,
0: know? like I said, it's it's the, it's the societal mind shift that we have to work on with with the full rock fan collective, right? There's so many different rock fans out there, um, and, and not even factoring in like metal and stuff. So, uh, you know, it's just going to take some time. Enough bands are going to have to get out there, enough bands are going to have to get big. We saw Great Event Fleet kind of break down the doors. That was awesome. Uh, and, and they honestly probably paved the way for a lot of the rest of us. So when I saw that happen, I was super thrilled. That uh, that I that it it told me when I saw them break that uh, there's a demand for this kind of music. So I'm, I'm I think we're in the right genre, and that wasn't a calculated decision. We're just again writing the music we want to write. But it seems like the timing might just be working in our favor for once. So,
1: <laughs> You mean, the song "Mr. Danger," which I think was your first single that you guys did.
0: Yeah, but it's the only one out right now. Sucker Punch is coming out uh, this Friday at the time of this recording. That's February 26th That's our second single. And then the full album drops uh, March 26th.
1: That's awesome. But the, the song, Mr. Danger, I mean, when you hear it, I mean, you can't help yourself. But, man, this is just kick ass. This is what rock and roll should be.
0: Yeah, I definitely appreciate that. That's uh, that's really good to hear. That's exactly what we're going for. So, you know, bob your head, tap your foot, headbang a little bit. Let's uh, let's play it loud. And um, I mean, we're going to get out there and, and blow the doors off with some shows just as soon as we're allowed. So we're super excited for the one we do have. <laughs>
1: What is, you know, next in terms of music? I know I've talked to a few musicians, a few bands, and they've said we've got enough for two albums. And over the next 12, probably 12 to 18 months, there's gonna be a lot of new music. There's gonna be so much. And then I, I have this vision, you know, because I'm all this is the way I think. I look I look I look to the next 12 to 18 months and I'm like and then what happens It's not going to be any music for like a year from anybody. Cause everybody released their stuff in 2021. Um, have you guys thought point. about, uh, you know, ha- with, the modern,
0: with the modern, with them, absolutely with the modern release schedule or with the modern, you know, music industry changing release releases have gotten smaller and more frequent. So we see more, you know, EPs every year instead of an album every three years, for example, or some people take it as far as doing a song a month or, you know, an album every three months or whatever, or, you know, EP every three months or whatever. So, uh, there's lots of different options and all of those are valid. You don't just have to do the full length album every two, three years anymore. Um, I, I can't say what will be coming after dirty damn tricks because we're so wrapped up in that right now. Uh, but, and and I won't sit here and tell you we have enough for two more albums because we just don't, we have a lot of ideas and a lot of riffs and stuff in our shared Dropbox, but nothing, um, I mean, a couple of them are fully complete, I guess, but there's just a lot of work that needs to be done with new stuff. But I will say we're always writing. We're always thinking about new stuff. I'm always filling up my, uh, my voice memo thing on my phone with little riffs I write here and there. So there's a lot that will be coming. Of course, we're not going to be stopping creating music. We're not going to try to disappear for three years before the next release. Um, we'd maybe possibly even like to release something else in 21. So we'll just see how it goes. Uh, thankfully, doing everything ourselves, um, we are able to work really fast, we're able to work on our terms and we're able to work uh, very, very cheaply, basically free. So um, we have a lot more flexibility than, than maybe some other bands out there. Although I'm sure lots of other bands record their own stuff as well. So um, yeah, you can always expect more from us. We'll, we'll be around for a while.
1: I also think too, that it's important for you guys to develop material after this album, like when you're on the road and come up with stuff, because experiences always leads to creativity and for your band right now like you said you've you've haven't played a live show yet and I don't want to say it hurts your creativity but your creativity could go in a different direction not in terms of sound but just collaborating more being on the road being on a bus being you know playing gigs that all stirs things up right that all creates things and I think I think it's The band's best interest, of course. I'm not, you know, I'm not telling you guys what to do, of course, but I think that is something to be said, or there's something to be said for that creative process to happen as you guys become more synergized with each other.
0: Absolutely. I mean, who who knows um, what the future holds? I will say that um, I definitely don't want to just keep doing the same thing over and over again. So I would like to have some sort of some sort of evolution, uh, obviously staying true to, to who we are, whatever that is at the time. You know, you look at a band like Metallica, uh, people definitely say they have good albums and bad albums, but I would argue that at whatever stage they were in their career, where they released whatever album you consider to be bad, they were being who they were at that time. So whether that lined up with what you wanted them to be or not, I think that's something to be respected. And I hope we take a similar path. Um, I hope we always release things people like, but I know that probably won't always be the case. And certainly not everyone will like everything we do. So um, we keep all that in mind, just keep doing what we're doing. And, uh, and and I'm a big fan of evolution and and creativity and doing everything we can, but also staying true to that rock and roll sound because that's what we like. That's what we started uh, as a group, you know, to do. So we'll certainly have that element, but we have keyboards, so (laughs) we'll see how we implement them in a creative way. Not a lot of bands have a keyboardist these days. So we, we love Josh. We're so excited. He brings a lot to the table and, it's so fun to just hear keys in a big rock band. You don't hear that so often. So that certainly came from our love of the Black Crows and, uh, and, and the way they're, they're a six piece. So the way that they, uh, you know, implement keys into their stuff, love it. So that's kind of why we even started looking for a keyboard player. And then of course, Josh just fit like a glove. So we have a lot of potential with, with keys and, and things like that. And and some of that's on the album already. So again, I just can't wait to get this out there and, and have people hear everything we have to offer. Cause it's not, it's, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it's not all Mr. It doesn't all sound like Mr. Danger. In fact, Mr. Danger uh, definitely stands out as the one that sounds the most inspired by ACDC and the others there, you'll definitely hear some ACDC inspiration, but it's not in that lane as much uh, at all. It, Mr. Danger is the one that dives into that the most. So if you're expecting, you know, more ACDC sounding stuff, you know, 10 songs that sound like Mr. Danger, it's not that there's a lot of stuff on there that'll I think throw people for a loop that they're not expecting uh, in a positive way. So I'm just super excited to get that out there and start, start seeing what people are reacting to, what people are not reacting to. There's, um, there's something for everybody on this album.
1: What is probably the biggest challenge you guys have right now? Is it finding an audience? Is it, you know, putting out the record and touring the pandemic? What do you guys feel um, will be something that you have to, look out for in 2021? Um, being a
0: new band, we have a lot of challenges. We don't have any, uh, you know, official representation. We don't have any official label. We don't have any official booking agents. Um, the, the one thing we do have is is an amazing PR team that has been helping us, uh, and and we love them to death and they're honestly probably more responsible for our success so far than we are. So (laughs) we're super happy to have that, but that's our biggest challenge is going to be assembling the team, assembling the right people that can, they can fill in the gaps to what we can't do for ourselves. And, uh, and we, we can do a whole hell of a lot. So it's going to take a good team. And, and, uh, I'm looking forward to meeting those people and, and seeing what we can do to get out there as much as we can. Cause yeah, booking is going to be the hardest thing. And, and part of that's the pandemic. And part of that is uh, just knowing the right people to work with. So that's going to be the biggest challenge. Other than that, I think the music speaks for itself like so many other bands in our genre, their music does as well. And and then the problem becomes, okay, let's just uh, how do we get people to listen to it? Because once they listen to it, I'm 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 sure they're gonna be into it if if it's the right person. If we're targeting a rock fan, they're gonna like it. So how do we get it to as many rock fans as we can? So that's the that's the next thing there.
1: Well Dallas, it's been a great conversation. I do appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much for doing the podcast.
0: Jay, thanks so much, man. This was a blast. I love uh I just, I just love these kind of conversations. I'm super excited. We talk so much about, uh, about the new wave of classic rock and and where music can go from here. And, and man, I'm just excited about the next, uh, the next year, the next ten years, the next thirty years. See where all this goes. Uh, you know, whether or not we're still around to see it. I'm still excited to to know kind of where all this goes from here.
1: Tell everybody where they can find you and what's coming up for LA Maybe. Uh, the best place to stay up to date with everything
0: we're doing is is absolutely lamaybe.com. Uh, scroll to the bottom, sign up for the email list, you'll get 10% off of uh, merch, which is pretty cool. But either way, lamaybe.com will lead you to all of our socials, your social media platform of choice, your streaming platform of choice. We are everywhere. So just give us a Google if you can't find that. But the website is the best way to stay up to date. And then signing up for the email list is the absolute best way to stay up to date because uh, I, I personally send out a weekly newsletter to everyone on that list, updating them on what happened that week, what's coming up, what's coming out. And uh, we'll be, you know, of course, sharing podcasts and stuff like that. When that happens in the future and new singles, uh, we, we frequently drop teasers and and things that no one else has seen there. Uh, we share, you know, exclusive deals, all kinds of stuff on that mailing list. So if you want to kind of really be in the know, that's the best way to do it. Otherwise, just check out our socials. And um, yeah, we respond to, to pretty much every comment. So if we get, so send us a message.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much, Dallas, for doing the show.
0: Yeah, man. Thanks so much. Let's uh, stay in touch and let's talk again soon.
1: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in. Check out the band LA Maybe. Great new music. Great new band. Their new song Sucker Punch comes out February 26th. This probably will air after that. But I know you guys have checked out the first single that they released here a couple weeks ago on my Twitter feed. So keep enjoying this band. Once again, that's Dallas Dwight. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. Stay warm, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you.